Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Tuesday, April 5th. We are about 48 hours away from the moment of this recording to opening day. Not just opening day being here, not just the calendar saying April 7th, but the first pitches of the Major League Baseball season being thrown just about 48 hours away from the start of this discussion. You can hear the excitement in my voice. I know you feel it out there as well. Michael Beller, Al Melchior, taking you through a big prospect episode because some things maybe worked out in a way that baseball fans are going to like after we had to deal with the lockout and maybe one of those things is the way that teams treat their top prospects at the very start of the season. Al Melchior, if that ends up being the case, it is a breath of very welcome fresh air. It absolutely is, and it seems like things are panning out that way already. Like you say, uh, about 48 hours away from from opening day. A lot of players, uh, a lot of prospects that are already confirmed as being on their team's opening day rosters. Uh, so that gives us a lot to talk about. I mean, this is going to be a, a weekly spot here on Tuesdays where we, we talk about prospects and what's going on in the minors, obviously. But uh, I mean, this is just such a great story and a great angle heading into opening day that we'll, we'll spend nearly the entire show running down uh, these prospects that are going to be on opening day rosters and still a few who are still battling for jobs here at the, at the last minute and we can uh, toss them in as well. But uh, Michael, before we get into all of that, let's talk about uh, yesterday's big trade, Monday's big trade. Uh, the Rays sending Austin Meadows to the Tigers in exchange for Isak Paredes and a competitive balance B pick. Um, so I mean, th- this is exciting for all kinds of reasons. And Theoretically, we could have skipped this because um, Isak Paredes is no longer technically a prospect. That actually, that sort of surprised me because my first thought or one of my first thoughts when I saw that trade uh, last night was, oh, we'll talk about Paredes mm-hmm. on the prospect show. And then I looked it up and thought, oh, yeah, that's right. He exhausted his uh, rookie eligibility in 2021, but we'll talk about it anyway. So there, there's a couple of prospect angles here. So, of course, Meadows... Uh, automatically becomes a key figure in the Tigers lineup. But on the Rays side, uh, what do you, what are your expectations for Paredes? I, I mean, you know what's fun about him going to Tampa specifically uh, is the way that they are, are such a flexible team and such a flexible roster and a team that uh, is comfortable using guys in multiple roles and comfortable platooning guys. And so that makes things, I think, a lot of fun for him as this as far as this landing spot goes and for just the rest of the of the roster i mean it's gonna it maybe muddies a little bit of of waters for for some players but you know austin meadows was someone who obviously we had slotted into an everyday spot and so that's not going to be the case for paredes so in in certain ways it opens up some playing time that maybe wasn't already there for some other guys so you know he's from a fantasy perspective, it's he's not someone who I'm necessarily like jumping at as a result of this trade. I actually do have one auction 
left. I got that later tonight. And so I'm not necessarily like, oh man, now his name is circled. But he is someone whose name will be circled for me at the start of the season to watch and see how the Rays use. Yeah, that's you know, that's a thing that we definitely will watch in the, the coming days. I mean, I understand that a lot of people listening probably have already wrapped up their drafts. Uh, but, you know, looking in terms of future waivers and that sort of thing, uh, Paredes not, hadn't really performed all that well in his mm-hmm. stints with the Tigers. There's not a clear role for him in Tampa Bay. But like you said, sort of, uh, this seems a little strange, but I think he actually does have more opportunity with the Rays than he had with the Tigers. The Tigers are going for it that Rays roster looks like it's a little bit in flux and there's always room for people who can play different roles. So uh, I would expect that Paredes will get more playing time this year uh, than he would have otherwise, though not necessarily enough to make an impact in in mixed leagues. Mm -hmm. But of course, the big impact here, and this truly is a a prospect angle, is that very shortly after the Rays completed that trade, that there were reports that the Rays were then going to call up Josh Lowe. And uh, that's that's an exciting one there because there's uh, obviously steals potential there, maybe a little bit of power potential, and certainly a whole lot of playing time potential for Josh Lowe. Yeah, now this is one that we should all be excited about. A guy who just had an excellent uh, AAA season in 2021, hit 22 homers, uh, walked 13% of the time, 291, 381, 535. This is someone who we should, I think, be very, very excited about in the fantasy baseball world right off the bat in 2022 because... You know, again, we did, you know, we talk about the Rays being this this flexible roster uh, organization, uh, a, a team that is very comfortable using many players, using guys in multiple roles, figuring things out, piecing things together, not necessarily having a set you know one through three, let alone one through nine in their lineup. But I just we saw it with Wander Franco last season. Wander Franco is maybe a little bit of a different case, but I just don't think that they bring him up, boom, right off the bat. Uh, to start the season if they're not going to play him mostly every day. And it's, it, it, it's you know, forget about the, the service time manipulation that hopefully is going out the window a little bit. It's just when you've got a guy like this who's clearly going to be a big part of your future, you want him to play every day. And if that means he's got to stay in AAA for a little bit, then so be it. If they're calling him up, I think they want to play him a lot, Al, and that should get us really excited. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt about that. If I can maybe pour a little cold water on this this development – uh, first of all, he could be part of a platoon, which again, yep. he would be the larger side of a platoon, but Rays being the Rays, that would not be surprising. Lowe's uh, splits against lefties uh, in AAA last year, were they were they were just merely okay, not great. Mm-hmm. So maybe an argument there for him to be in a platoon role. The other thing is he did strike out a fair amount at Durham, 26.2% strikeout rate, which you figure in his first uh, full season, the majors could be substantially higher. Projections have low in the range between 222 and 245 for batting average. So that's the optimistic side there is 245. Uh, even if you lean towards that side, maybe a, a little bit of a ceiling on on Lowe's value uh, for this year, but you know, power speed, that's, that's hard to come by. So uh, I am, uh, as you are, Michael, like you said, very, very excited. Al, let me uh, ask you, let, let me jump yeah. in. Let me ask you this. One. So, so like I said, I've got this auction tonight. I mean, it, where do you, th- if, if, if this development, if this Austin Meadows trade happened a week ago, where do you think you know, Josh Lowe ends up being slotted in just, you know, fantasy baseball universe top to bottom? Uh, okay. Well, I mean, if we're talking about just formats, I, I think he's, He's a good late round target in twelve teamers. Yeah, just because of that that uh, home run stolen base combination upside, and if he gets off to a slow start or isn't playing as regularly as we'd like to see, 
you know, those are spots that you churn. I know mm-hmm. that I, I say this over and over again in regard to drafts, but it, it's true. Uh, so uh, in terms of uh, auction, yeah. uh, so like for a 12 teamer, I think, it, you know, you're, you're looking at a minimal bid there, but, yeah. you know, 14, 15 team. Yeah. I think low single digits. I mean, I think the takeaway is that regardless of format, he's on a team somewhere to start the season. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, 10 teams seems a little extreme, but mm-hmm. but otherwise, yeah, I, I'm on board. And that's exciting. And it is exciting. It's definitely, it's a, it's a development here, you know, closing on an opening day that I think a lot of us didn't see coming. And uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, and just real quick, I know we got a lot of players to get to, but Vidal Brujan, does your interest in him increase now that you have one less player and the depth chart there. It has to, right? I mean, doesn't it, it sort of has to increase, like if we're talking about the literal definition of the word, but like we just, I don't know, we didn't, not only did we not see, you know, we didn't see a ton from him in the, like literally we did not see a lot of him in the majors last year. You obviously like the stolen base potential, but that's dependent on playing time and getting on base. And even though you have to think there's more playing time in line for him, how much remains to be seen and how well can he get on base? I mean, we're talking about a guy who had a you know, 345 OBP in AAA last year, 336 in AA the year before. Age level is fine, but that concerns me a little bit. So not, I mean, obviously I, there's a clearer path to playing time. I'm not, you know, climbing over bodies to get to him. All right. Well, uh, let's get to some of the big name prospects who have already cemented a spot on their team's opening day roster uh, Four hitters who really stand out here. And again, you talk about excitement. I mean, there's a mm. lot of excitement generated by by these four players. Julio Rodriguez. This is one I will admit, and maybe this is just my bad, but I did not see this coming. Certainly two weeks ago, maybe a week ago, I was starting to to see this a little bit more clearly, but Julio Rodriguez will be on the Mariners opening day roster. He will start, of course. Bobby Witt Jr., that one a little bit less of a surprise. Spencer Torkelson, he'll be uh, playing pretty much every day for the Tigers. Jeremy Pena, and I feel like this one's not gotten quite as much attention and maybe not enough attention, but Jeremy Pena will be on the Astros opening day roster. He will be their regular shortstop. So, uh Let's, uh, well, is there anybody here you're worried about out of this four? Not relative to draft cost, no. Um, yeah, I think there's, I think we should be excited about all of these guys. And I mean, Julio Rodriguez and, and Bobby Witt Jr. speak for themselves about how excited we should be for both of them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I, I would say Jeremy Pena is the least exciting from a fantasy perspective. Um, but we're still talking about a guy who, you know, in the right circumstances could be like a double digit homer and steal player right off the bat this season. And, and it's not like anyone is really forcing you to to go too crazy to get him on your team. So not there's there's really no one I'm worried about here from that you know draft cost or if you've obviously most people have already drafted acquisition cost. Uh, I don't think that there's anyone that should really uh, scare you in that sort of way at all. I think there's just a lot of reason to be excited about these guys, especially with some of the transitions we've seen young superstars make from the minors to the majors uh, in recent years. Yeah. And, and your point is well taken, too, in terms of risk and draft position. Mm-hmm. Not so much with Bobby Witt Jr., and we've actually talked quite a bit on this show about, uh, I know I've talked about this with DVR, uh, maybe uh, Michael, we've talked about it too, but uh, just some questions about how early Bobby Witt Jr. was going. Obviously, just a, a very exciting profile there, mm-hmm. but 
questions about how that's going to translate in his first season in the major leagues. But as far as Torkelson and Rodriguez go, you didn't really have to give up much to get either either of them. So if they happen to be busts, then, you know, then so be it. You stash them if you can, uh, or, or maybe in shower leagues, you, you let them go. But Torkelson, I have some concerns about just because I, I think that at least initially he's going to be, um, certainly I think I, I feel very confident about the power from Torkelson, sure. but being somebody who, who hits a lot of fly balls has a decent strikeout rate. But again, you figure that might get elevated as a rookie and, maybe has an, an upside of like a 235, 240 batting average is uh, mm-hmm. a rookie. So if I could ask one thing of AJ Hinch, it would be to not hit him in the bottom third of the order because you're already this year, like you're, you're behind the eight ball to a certain extent when you're uh, a rookie in the majors and the book gets out on you, you know, relatively quickly. It's like, you're not doing him any favors if you are sandwiching him between Jonathan Scope and Tucker Barnhart in the lineup. I want to see him, I'm not saying to hit him lead off or anything like that, but like give him a spot like near in like the Baez Meadows Cabrera spot of the lineup. Even if it means like pushing Candelario down a spot, I don't know, like I just don't put, just don't hit him in the bottom third of the order. It's, it's a very tough ask for a top prospect. You want him seeing hittable pitches. You don't want him getting pitched around. Like I want to see him somewhere one through six and I don't care where. Well, unfortunately, the acquisition of uh, Austin Meadows yeah, makes it make a little trickier. Tough, yeah. A tougher ask. <laughs> I'm I'm with you there, and maybe especially if he exceeds my expectations in terms of batting average and getting on base, maybe that's something that improves uh, as the. Like, could you move Badu down? Could you like bump Grossman up to one and move Badu down to like the seven spot? Like I don't know. Maybe that's uh, they're not going to do that to start the season, but that's my hope for later in the season. Yeah, perhaps. Not the hopes of people there who have already rostered uh, Akil Badu, but uh, a possibility I could see, you know, uh, theoretically. And, and Badu's going to be an interesting player this year, too. Came out of nowhere last year as a, a Rule 5 player, and we'll see if he can match or exceed what, what he did last year. And that maybe has something to say for the, the value that Spencer Torkelson has as well. And uh, Jeremy Payne, just to kind of uh, round up the thought uh, that we started a little while ago, that uh, Pena was going extremely late in drafts, even some deeper ones. So mm-hmm. uh, could be uh, certainly a major fab target this coming weekend in, in leagues. Uh, is He's out there. If you did happen to roster him again, very little risk that you likely had to uh, take on in order to put Pena on your roster. So could could have a nice uh, steals uh, power combo there with some some run production possibilities as well. So let's let's move on to some of the bigger name pitchers who have already secured a uh, a roster spot, and I think we can say pretty much in all these cases a rotation spot. I'm, I'm hesitating on one, and that is Nick Lodolo, because we've already got Hunter Green in the Reds rotation. We've got Raver San Martin. Uh, Lodolo is making the team. I would assume as a member of the rotation. I've not seen that confirmed, but you've got potentially three prospects. Two. Very, very highly ranked prospects at Green and Lodolo there in Cincinnati. So how do you see the staying power of these these three prospects um, over over time? Because the, eventually that, that rotation is going to get a little bit more crowded. It is going to get a little bit more crowded, right? I think that, you know, Hunter Green's in there, right? I mean, Hunter Green is in there, no question about it. I think, the, I think that'll be the case for Lodolo too. I think like... It just feels as though you'd really have to struggle. And, like, you know, Luis Castillo 
he'll be back. Mike Miner, what are you going to do with Mike Miner? You know, the Reds are obviously going to want Mike Miner to do something and then and then flip him <laughs> at the deadline. I mean, so like those guys are going to find their way into the rotation, of course. And then there's other. I mean, you know, we can you know dig deep on this Reds team, but like again, like the, the Reds have clearly announced to us what they plan to be this season. And so if you're already going to be this team and you are going to have these guys on your roster right from the jump, unless you are crushing their confidence with just bad outing after bad outing after bad outing, there is no sense in not having them be in your starting rotation. Even if you cap them at like 120 innings or something, I, you know, I'm throwing out a random low number. But like, There is no reason that you don't have these guys in your rotation this season if they're on the major league roster. It's just It, it would be silly. It would be self-defeating for when you hope to eventually be a competitive team a couple of years down the line to not get Hunter Green his innings, not get Nick Lodolo his innings. And so I, I think that as so long as those guys, once they're in the rotation and we know Green is already in there, I think it's no looking back from the Reds unless they are just getting tattooed start after start. Yeah, and Lodolo uh, just uh, a little over 50 innings last year. Green a little over 100. So something to keep in mind there. But uh, I think particularly in the case of Green, that, yeah, my anticipation is that he'll be there all season long. Maybe there'll be some some moves to mm-hmm. stretch it stretch out between yep. the starts a little bit yep. longer. But you're going to want to have him rostered. You're going to want to have him available to... Uh, Make starts for you on your fantasy team. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Three other pitchers I would put in this category in terms of uh, highly ranked, uh, highly anticipated prospects who are going to be in a rotation. One is Joe Ryan, which I know might seem a little suspect, first of all, because depending on which rankings you're looked at, he's not necessarily ranked that high among prospects. But, you know, if we looked at this, you know, a, a year ago, roughly, I think this would be a pretty exciting development that you'd have Joe Ryan in a uh, a rotation, uh, but it's 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 less exciting because we've seen him in a rotation already. <laughs> we've seen him pitch, so he'll be there uh, as uh, the 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 Twins opening day mm-hmm. starter. And then you got Matt Brash and Reed Detmers. Detmers pitching briefly for the Angels last year. Results were not great, but still just a, a terrific track record in the minors. And uh, you know Brash uh, great numbers as well. So. Out of these three, Brash, Detmers, Ryan, who are you most excited about? I mean, I got to be honest. Uh, well, let me let me ask you a question. Let me answer your question with a question, but then I'll I'll, I'll say something. <laughs> how how much has DVR talked about Reed Detmers on this show? Uh quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. D, I, I, I'm giving full credit to DVR here, um, who's dealing with some internet issues right now. Uh, this is I am all I am. I, I he's got me totally in on Reed Detmers. I've got a Reed Detmers AL uh, Rookie of the Year 
bet that I, I feel like I'll have to send 10% of it to DVR if it ends up hitting because uh, he you know didn't like put Reed Detmers on my radar as like a, a pitcher, as a baseball player, but certainly he opened my eyes to some of the reason why we should be believing in a Reed Detmers ceiling this season. Uh, as you said, Al, a solid, if short, track record in the minors before getting his spot on the Angels this season. You know, last season, but you know, locked in, feel like he's arrived this season. And with just that, that pitch mix, the youth, the track record, everything that he's got already behind him, the pedigree, like I think there's a, ra- a lot of reason to be really, really, really excited about him this season. And so just that pitch mix is it's filthy. It's just something you just you just don't expect to see it from a guy who is you know in his age twenty two season. And I think we should be really really excited about Reed Detmers. And frankly, Al, uh, again, I'm ready to be I'm ready to be the uh, the Charlie Brown to the Angels Lucy this year. But I think that this is maybe finally the year this team breaks through. And I think Detmers is going to have a big role to play in that. Yeah, he really could. That that rotation could actually be very good. Uh, so you've got. Um, of course, you've got Noah Syndergaard there. Somebody that I like as a, a sleeper this year is Jose Suarez. I mean, just very solid numbers across the board last year. Uh, still just 24. Could take a step forward mm-hmm. if you have Detmers putting it all together. Yeah, it's an exciting team. A lot of, lot of possibilities there. Uh, and I want to go back to Ryan, too, because he's kind of the flip side of what you were describing with Detmers. I mean, not overwhelming stuff, but he, he gets it done. Uh, so are, are you more of the opinion that He's shown that he's shown it in the minors. He showed it briefly in the majors last year. You can you can trust what you've seen, or do you think there's a a comeuppance and a regression coming for Joe Ryan this year? I mean, I, there, there of course is a risk of that, Al. We know that for sure. But I, I don't know, like you go back over his over his minor league stats and the brief run he had with the Twins last season. I, I think you can. I think if if your expectations for Joe Ryan is like a four ERA, a one two. One two five whip and like a strikeout parading. I think you are going to be very happy with what you get out of him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he got that four ERA, four point oh five be exact uh, in five starts for the Twins down the stretch last year. Want to remind everybody that he stranded uh, less than three out of every five runners, which is a very low rate. So um, you know, I don't know. Just very intriguing to me that uh, the peripherals he puts up may. Uh, yeah, those hold up. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a very good pitcher, and I think one who's going to return a lot of uh, value vis-a-vis what you had to give up in your, your drafts and auctions for him. So, uh, all right, well, let's move on to some other uh, prospects who are already on opening day rosters, have already uh, secured a spot, but aren't getting nearly the same attention, not coming in with quite the same level of prospect hype. One player that I've heard very little said about, but I think he's really intriguing is Diego Castillo, who is uh, looks like he's going to be the Pirates' starting second baseman. And uh, obviously a lot of opportunity there to maybe get a, get a long look there, not necessarily uh, you know be looking over his shoulder from uh, opening day on. And uh, I don't know, very intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any interest there? And if, if so, what, what types of leagues? Yeah, I mean, pretty deep leagues, right? Um and NL only, obviously, he's he's on your radar. I think that's you know the only where the only spot where I think he's guaranteed to be on your radar. This is a playing time play, right, Al? I mean, that's yeah. The, I think there's there's reason for optimism surrounding him, but this all has to be a bet on playing time and youth. That's really what we're looking at uh, with Diego Castillo. And I, again, like as we've said with a few of these guys previously, I like it would be silly of the Pirates to not let him 
fail at the major league level if he's going to fail because why not see what you've got and why not get him some low-pressure ABs and maybe even a full low-pressure season as far as a rookie season could be under his belt. Um, so the playing time, I got to believe, is going to be there. I still think that unless you're in you know deep, 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 deep formats or NL-only leagues, that you probably want to see it first before you commit to him as, an, as a regular player on your roster. Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit more intrigued. I'm not, I'm not talking about 12-team leagues here uh, by by any means, but uh, th- there is uh, some interesting skills there with um, with Castillo. Uh, really, really good contact rate. And in a way, sort of the, the profile to me reminds me a little bit of Kevin Newman with probably a lot more power. So there's, there's some mild steals potential here. He's not been a particularly efficient base dealer in the minors. So that's not anything I'm necessarily banking on, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe just gives you a handful of steals that, that, that helps out. And uh, in 2021, uh, so he was traded from the Yankees to the pirates. So he played uh, about half the year uh, in the Yankee system. Uh, at double A there, a 277 average with 11 home runs and eight steals. And then uh, in, uh, let's see, 46 games between double A AA and triple A with the Pirates, eight home runs, not only one stolen base there, but, uh, you know, solid, solid numbers. And the fact that one thing I can't really say about Castillo that I've said about a couple of other players already is he's got these really, really uh, very svelte strikeout rates <laughs> every step along the way of the minors. So you, you built in some, you know, regression there and you're still looking at somebody who, you know, maybe is only striking out between 15 and 20% of the time this year. So I don't know. I, I feel very underrated. Uh, definitely somebody I'm looking for in, in 15 teamers right now. Well, I mean, I think you make a compelling argument for him. And again, the playing time really should be there. It would be silly if it weren't. Yeah, well, let's uh, move on to the Guardians here and uh, a couple of uh, prospects. Not the biggest name prospects, but could be some prominent roles. Uh, Stephen Kwan going to be in that outfield mix, maybe a a regular or a platoon role for Kwan. And Brian Lavastida has secured the backup role there behind Austin Hedges. And I know Hedges is a really, really good defensive catcher, but it seems to me that maybe there's an opportunity for Lavastida to get like a 50-50 split. Uh, and this is a catcher, by the way, who has stolen some bases. So I uh, actually need a replacement catcher in my AL only. I went for Jose Trevino, uh, but I- I'm thinking maybe I made a mistake and need to go back and make a, b- a bit on Lavastida instead, just because you know maybe I-, I get a few steals from him and uh, certainly more power than I would expect from Trevino, even-, even in less playing time. Yeah, you know, it's it's... The AL Central is going to be interesting this year as it relates to this because, um, you know, because you know the White Sox clearly such a, a massive favorite as they should be in this division, and then uh, you can make arguments I think for really any of the teams, and I would say definitely at least the Twins, Tigers, and Guardians as the next up in that division. Uh, I would tend to lean toward Twins in that order: Twins, Tigers, Guardians, uh, but. So much, so much could happen early in the season that determines some of the playing time for some of these young guys, especially for a guy who's slotted in as a backup catcher. So I think that's something you're going to want to watch with this team. What's interesting about Quanell is, you know, the fact that he just doesn't strike out. <laughs> this guy, he's got a ton of on base skills, and I think that's going to play well uh, in, you know, for for Cleveland, you know, for a lineup like we know that. You know, like there's, there's, he's not going to be taking significant, significant playing time away from, I don't think, you know, Miles Straw or Ahmed Rosario or Andres Jimenez, but like 
there's not a ton of on-base skill uh, in the guys who he would be necessarily competing for playing time with, right? And I'm not saying Steve McQuan's going to play shortstop, but you can move him into the outfield. You can bump him at Rosario back to short. Like, there's a lot of ways that Cleveland can mix and match. Uh, and so if he proves that the on-base skills and the bat-to-ball skills he's uh, shown us in the minors are ready to translate to the majors, I think that's the way he gets himself into this Cleveland lineup with enough regularity that he becomes interesting from a fantasy perspective. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, well, I want to segue a little bit from La Vestida talking uh, about a catcher here. A couple of other catchers, one of whom is Joey Bart. And again, this is sort of like the Joe Ryan. Situation. How's this guy is still a, a prospect? How's, it's crazy. Exactly. But he, he's not exhausted his rookie eligibility. So I'm going to, I'm going to push the, Oh yeah, here for sure. And include him in the conversation. And William Contreras, who has made the, the Braves roster, but um, almost certainly not. I mean, there, there's no way it's an everyday role, but uh, maybe playing a little bit in the infield as well as uh, some catching some DH so kind of kind of intriguing there. Uh, I think Bart is obviously somebody you're looking at with more playing time, and you're looking at him in a broader swath of leagues. But what's your level of interest with Bart and Contreras? So you know we laugh about Joey Bart still having uh, rookie eligibility, but this does like it, it, this does sort of have a now or never feeling to it, right? I mean he's you know blocked by Buster Posey for all these years, and you know, they've got him up, they've had him down, like he's been in our consciousness for such a long time because I think maybe Buster Posey. Not only hung around a little bit longer than expected, but hung around as a with a significant share of his playing time coming behind the plate a little longer than expected, and seemed to you know push off Joey Bart a little bit. So it still feels like this is a now or never season for him, just because he's been around for a while. He's now in his age twenty five season, even though uh, you know he's only accumulated what a hundred and twenty plate appearances at the major league level, something along those lines. And like one, no, no one should be drawing anything from 120 plate appearances, but they haven't been pretty, Al. I mean, he's been, he's, he has struck out a ton. He hasn't really walked much. The power just 
hasn't been there. No homers, right? He's still looking for his first career major league home run, I believe. So like, there's something here where like it's got. It feels like it's got to happen for Joey Bart, even though, for being honest about it, he hasn't really had a fair crack at anything just yet uh, in his major league career. So playing time, I feel good about performance wise. Not so much uh, for him. Contreras will be interesting uh, just because of the different ways that the Braves might try to get him involved. But I still think we're looking at a guy whose impact is far more significant to the Atlanta Braves rather than to us in the fantasy world. Yeah, I I do feel like at least this season that's very likely to be the case. Uh, Still a prospect worth watching if he starts off well. Maybe that earns him a a more broad role. So uh, certainly somebody worth picking up in NL only and in deeper mixed leagues, uh, just put him on the watch list. See mm-hmm. how see how his role develops as the season goes on. Seth Beer uh, uh, in a uh, stripped down Diamondbacks lineup, he could stand to to hit a lot. I think you would expect to see him in the lineup a lot against righties. Um, power source, obviously there. Uh, so, where's your level of interest with Seth Beer? This Arizona team, they're like they're not going to be a total nothing uh, in the fantasy world. Like, there's going to be opportunity for him there, and we know that he can. You know, if he gets if he gets 400 plate appearances, he could hit 15 homers. If he gets 500 plate appearances, he could hit 20 homers. So the power is going to be there. I think that that's where you're going to have to be interested in him, though. You're going to have to be, um, you know, someone who is in a position who is really seeking, is really looking for like part-time power. And I think there's a role for that in a lot of fantasy leagues. And as long as that's what you are gunning for, I think you're fine. I don't think you're going to want to be counting him for anything more than that part-time power though. Yeah. Uh, By the way, beer, uh, maybe it's just the last name and making me think of beer leagues and, you know, somebody who hits for power at all costs. 17.5% strikeout rate uh, last year in AAA. So not necessarily... Yeah, that, that'll, that'll definitely play. Let's look at a couple of pitchers who have secured spots uh, on a roster, but not it's not clear exactly what the role is going to be. In Atlanta, Tucker Davidson and Spencer Strider. Uh, not clear if maybe they'll both be in the rotation, one in the bullpen, one in the rotation, but uh, you know, pretty, pretty intriguing over the, the longer haul for sure. Definitely. Um, who are you knocking out of the rotation, though? If if one of them is going to be like an every fifth day guy, who you, who are you knocking out of there? It, it's I mean it's it, it, Oscar Yanoa, Kyle Wright. It's obviously one of them, and I just I don't know I don't know Al. I don't see enough I don't see enough there to think that either one of those guys are going to be consistent contributing starting pitchers this year. Uh yeah I I think I know maybe if things don't go well for Kyle Wright uh that is one person that it occurs to me maybe winds up going back to the minors uh there's always possible uh injury scenario there Mm -hmm. so uh you know strider's just real interesting to me and you know tucker davidson did pretty nicely uh in limited time in 2021 so that that's going to be an interesting one to watch and strider in particular is available in a lot of leagues so deep leagues maybe just a good good pitcher to stash right now uh, now, here's kind of a, a different scenario, Michael, because in Oakland, you've got Dalton Jeffries, who, again, very stripped down roster right now. So he stands to have a pretty prominent role in that athletics rotation. But the upside is not what it is for Davidson or Strider. So how do you handle somebody like Jeffries? It's all, all the, any guy like this really is is totally dependent on you know, what the rest of your roster looks like. If, if like, I don't know, if 100 130 innings of 
4-2 ERA and like seven and a half, eight Ks per nine is going to get the job done for you in your league, then sure, Jeffries can be a guy. But I, I think you're you're kidding yourself if you're expecting more than that. Uh, if you're if we're talking weekly leagues, he's not going to be someone who you're just auto starting uh, every single week. Even some two start weeks maybe won't necessarily play for you. Um, it's just it's the ceiling is so low as you said with him that this has really got to be a volume play if you're going to be interested in Dalton Jeffries and I don't know man like 26 years old 20 almost 27 years old the limited amount of playing time he has had in the majors like there just aren't a ton of stories that start that way that suddenly flip and become you know significantly better than what they already are and so I think you have to be realistic about what you're looking for with him Okay, well, maybe I'll have a little bit more interest in a couple of pitchers who have not yet won rotation spots, but maybe by the time you're hearing this, it'll be a different story. I'm talking about Mackenzie Gore in San Diego, Yoan Adon in Washington, both competing for the fifth starter spot on uh, those respective rotations. We're never going to quit Mackenzie Gore, are we? Like Mackenzie Gore is going to quit us before we quit him. That's just how this is going to have to work here because we know, I mean, it's, it's totally different, right? I mean, we're talking, this is a guy who's 23 years old who has flashed some major upside, who obviously has the pedigree of being uh, a top three overall pick uh, in the year he, that uh, the Padres secured him. Like, there is, there's a lot to like here. There is a lot, a lot to like here. And I just, you know, San Diego is going to be such an interesting team this season. Uh, obviously, we all remember what happened to them last year and the the, 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 the seemingly living up to the super sky-high expectations that were set for them in the uh, offseason and then just crashing, absolutely crashing in the second half to, of the season to the extent that they finished under 500. Uh, you look at you know, you, you expect a bounce back from Blake Snell. You expect a bounce back from you, Darvish. They just make the move for Sean Manaya. Joe Musgrove had a breakout year last year. Like, there's this is just like a, a fascinating team to me for so many reasons. And this is even without talking about Fernando Tatis missing the first few months of the season. Like, Mackenzie Gore, they're like, they're, it's almost like they're like, if you, if you write off, and they're not doing that, but if you write off worrying about the Dodgers and you say, all right, Six playoff spots. We just got to get one of those wild card spots. We don't need to worry about this juggernaut Dodgers team. Like Mackenzie Gore becomes super interesting as the season goes on because they don't need to lean on him early in the season. When you talk about Darvish and Musgrove and Snell and Anaya, they don't need to lean on him early in the season, which we don't necessarily love in the fantasy world. But this is someone who they can bring on and be this big, you know, second half or June on weapon for them. Uh, fascinated by how they treat Mackenzie Gore this year, how they deploy him, what they do with the options that they're going to have with him. But ultimately, I do think we see him as a consistent starter for this team. And so he's like, I'm way more excited than the guy like that, who maybe I have to wait for, than someone like Dalton Jeffries, who yeah, I get right away. But you know, what are we really talking about with a guy like that? Yeah. Can't argue that. Cannot argue that, Michael. Uh, a lot to be excited about with Gore. And maybe we see him making those contributions you're talking about very, very early, it's maybe possible. even... Yeah. Right away. That would be awesome. Uh, Adone, that's uh, you know, a, a, a fuzzier question with him. He did make his Major League debut on the final day of the season against the Red Sox in 2021. Made a very, very nice start against them. Very, very limited uh, experience above high A, though, for Adone. So uh, that's I think you're looking at an NL-only play there. Let's stay in the NL East with our final player to discuss. That's Bryson Stott. As of this recording, he is still in the mix to be the starting third baseman for the Phillies. 
Is he worth uh, trying to get onto your roster before uh, we start playing games here? Uh, so this is something that you know I, that I'm sure I've talked about with you, Al, in the past, and uh, it's something we talk about in the fantasy football world so often. It's just like being involved with a good team, being invested in a team that you expect to score a lot is never a bad play. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at the start of the season, it's a good thing to do. And like this Phillies team, man, they are going to hit a ton. They're going to score a ton of runs. There's always going to be, no matter where you are in this lineup, you are going to have run scoring or run driving in upside. And so that's that to me right there. Boom. That and that alone is interesting. And so anyone who's going to be playing consistently for this team and getting at bats for this team can be an intriguing counting stat sort of player. So for that reason, finding a way to invest in Philly and finding a very cheap way to invest in Philly puts Bryson Stott on my radar for these uh, you know first couple of weeks. If uh, you know we'll see what happens with that third base kick, but I think that if you can't get Kyle Schwarber or Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos, you want to look for a way to get into this Philly lineup. This could be a way to do it. All right. Well, these last few players we discussed gives us reason, not that we necessarily don't have one already, but pay attention to the last couple of days here of spring training. And we got the, by the time we do the next edition of the show, we'll, we'll be playing. We won't be playing Michael, but <laughs> they will be playing some real baseball. They will be. Account. They will be for sure. They will be for sure. I might be swinging a wiffle ball bat, but uh, they'll be playing the real thing. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, that's that's a wrap for now. I mean, it's a lot of prospects to talk about on opening day, a lot to watch. So it's, it's going to be fun. It is absolutely going to be a ton of fun, Al. I'm very excited for it. And like I said, man, like when we started this show, 48 hours till real pitches, real major league games are happening. So we're super pumped. We know you are as well. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. For Al Melchior, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Get ready. Opening day right around the corner. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.